Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This defense is so much more disruptive than the unit we saw last year. And and I, honestly, I, one guy I love that for is Cameron Jordan, because he spent all offseason saying, hey, I need more DTs. Let's get some more DTs. Let's let's draft uh, three defensive tackles. And, you know, you know get, right. get, get me some help. Please help me. Welcome to the program. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by my friend John Sigler. It's the Saints Wire podcast. We're brought to you by the USA Today Network. Thanks for joining us. And if you like what you hear, subscribing and telling a friend, that's the best way to support us. We appreciate you. Uh, John, how the hell are you, my man? Oh, man. Doing great. You know, Saints are 2-0. Get, get, get a, have, have a good good opportunity here to kind of recap what, what went right, what went wrong, and uh, just see, see where, kind of where they stand as a football team. Uh, no complaints. Yeah, this is we record on Tuesdays. This is the day after a game, so it's a little more of a like a post game type of show, right? We're going to react to what we saw in the ball game last night. Um, well, first of all, the Saints are two and zero for the first time since 2013, but they've only scored 36 points, John. So that is a pretty neat trick by the Saints. They've scored the yeah. eighth fewest points in the entire NFL through two weeks, but they're two and zero. Yeah, and that just goes to show how important a, def- a, a, a good defense is, and gosh, j- just how you know critical it is. Uh, that that the defense goes out and does its job each week. Yeah, the defense definitely showed out once again. There's no doubt about that. Um, definitely not a well-oiled machine on offense yet, John. I think to say the least, they definitely have some things they need to iron out. Uh, but to their credit, they do. The offense has come up money late in games, so you got to give them that, right? And hasn't that? And that's kind of like a Derek Carr thing. Like when I think back of you know the Derek Carr's career so far and his time with the Raiders. I mean, he's never going to be talked about as one of the best quarterbacks in football or, you know, up there with that top echelon, that top tier. But he's always been really excellent in late game situations. I remember like the Raiders, when they were down a field goal with time running out, Derek Carr would usually get them in the field goal range. And, you know, we're kind of seeing that with the Saints where we'll have these handful of drives that just go nowhere and are frustrating and they're punting and or turning it over. But then he'll hit a 40-yard pass to Chris Olave and it'll all be forgotten and we're off and running again. You know what I mean? Like he's had these moments of of brilliance. He's also had some struggles in there. The timing has looked off a little bit. I think, you know, some of the missed and rushed throws, John, the ugly turnovers like that interception at the end of the first half, some of the broken plays that we've seen turn into sacks with a ton of pressure in his face, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, that's been the kind of the frustrating part, but you got to give Carr credit for how he's finishing games and and coming up big when they when they need him. Oh yeah. Like you said, that is something he did with the Raiders. Uh, here's a good stat for you. Uh, since 2015, uh, Derek Carr leads the NFL in game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks. Um, there it is. I, yeah. I, and I didn't have that stat, but I just know he's good in those situations. He always has been. Yeah, he is someone who his teams have been able to count on him in those late-game uh, situations. And we saw that here here you know, with the Saints as well. You know, We're, we're two weeks in a row. Uh, the Saints have ended the game with the ball in Derek Carr's hands, and he's gotten been able to go out there, kneel out the clock, and call it a day. And so that goes to show that, you know, if the defense can just buy him time, which which they've been able to do thus far, he's going to figure these things out. You know, he's going to improve the timing with his receivers. He's going to smooth out the protection issues with his blockers. 
and this offense is going to improve. You know, it, it, obviously it's not instant. It's it's not going. You know, it's more of a week to week concern. I think, uh, but they're they're on the right track. There's enough things to build on here. Uh, I'm not nearly as concerned as you know. I see some people who are just going full doom and gloom with this. Yeah, I'm not there. I'm not there. And I and I see the pieces on offense. I mean. Shahid coming up with another big play late in the game, John, to help him salt away the yeah. win. It just that's two weeks in a row for Shahid. Chris Olave is just like unbelievable. The Saints hit a home run getting that guy. I mean, he's just awesome. Yeah. He's going to be a stud. Uh, but we're also seeing kind of vintage Michael Thomas, right? I mean, I thought early in the game he's showing that he can be that possession receiver where you could just go to whenever you need him, and and that's huge, especially you know when the Saints have, they had a few like third and shorts that they screwed up in this game. I mean. The more Michael Thomas looks like that, like vintage Michael Thomas, like possession guy, the better, right? I mean, what are you seeing from him? It looks like MT might be back, at least on the way back. Yeah, I would definitely characterize that as on the way back rather than rather than all the way, all the way back to where he was. Uh, but you know, just from his performance in this game and his, his demeanor afterwards, he really seems to be closer to the guy that that we knew Michael Thomas to be. That being someone who can make those physical catches, who can you know, dominate uh, these opposing uh, uh, defensive backs and, you know, talks a big game and backs it up. Given everything that he has had to deal with, all all the frustration, the injuries, the struggles, you know, the surgeries that didn't go well, um, all of these things, for him to find success after that, that it's, it's, it's something that you really do love to see. You know, hopefully he and the team can continue building off of that. He, he can play a bigger role moving forward. Um, but, you know, it does get to a point where it's like, man, you know, th- th- there's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. Yeah, there is. It's exciting. And, you know, there's going to be some reinforcements coming in week four, um, which which mm-hmm. will be great as well. But, um, you know, I I do give the offense credit, Derek Carr credit for how they played late in game, salting these wins away. I mean, the defense has played so well, John, that maybe it's the offense's fault that they haven't been in those situations in the first place. But that's fine. Uh, that's another argument. But uh, let's talk about the defense a little bit. I mean, I know it was Bryce Young. I know Carolina's not a juggernaut. I don't think the Titans are a juggernaut either, so I don't want to go overboard here with how great the defense has been. But uh, they shut down the Panthers. No other way to put it. And they're getting pressure now. So uh, I found some stats from pro football reference that the Saints defense, they had 34 quarterback hits last year in the whole season, and they have 17 through two games this season. So they're, they've hit the crap out of Ryan Tannehill and Bryce Young. They have seven sacks already on the year. Uh, so they're getting... To the quarterback, they're getting in the backfield. They're harassing people, John, and they're not giving up a lot of big plays on the back end because that's helping. You know what? What I think is a pretty good secondary as well. So, what's exciting you most about the defense? And are you noticing that they're getting into the backfield and hitting the quarterback more? Oh yeah, dude. The, this defense is so much more disruptive than the unit we saw last year. And and I, honestly, I, one guy I love that for is Cameron Jordan because he spent all off season saying, "Hey, I need more DTs. Let's get some more DTs. Let's." Let's draft uh, three defensive tackles. You know, you know, get, right. get get me some help, please help me. And we're seeing that pay off here. You know, you found that uh, stat at Pro Football Reference. Uh, I found this at Pro Football Focus. Uh, they're, they're charting here. Uh, at this time last year, after the first two games, the Saints had eleven total pressures on opposing QBs. Uh, that being Marcus Mariota and Tom Brady. This year, through two games, they're up to forty-eight pressures total, seven sacks. And honestly, they should have had eight. You know, it's a shame that Brian Brzee had that sack fumble, which which was called back for from a, a, a 
a BS penalty on Boston Adebo on the <laughs> 30 yards away. Um, but the point is that the Saints made a ton of investments in their defensive line this offseason, and they're seeing that pay off in a big way. And Kim Jordan is benefiting from it. You know, last year he had 37 pressures at BFF, uh, which is his lowest since his rookie year. Now he's already up to 11. So he, he he's already, what, that's, a, that's what, a third of a quarter of the way there through two games. So, you know, look, they're off to a hot start. And hopefully they can keep it up as the uh, degree of difficulty picks up against some better offensive lines, uh, some more experienced quarterbacks who know how to, how to navigate the rush. Uh, but this is very encouraging. And the more that they can do just rushing four up front, uh, that's going to open up more opportunities to get creative in the secondary get guys on the field like, you know, rookie rookie safety, Jordan Howden. And I think that's a very winnable formula. That's something they, can, they they have been winning with. And I think that's sustainable and they, that, can, that can carry week to week. Switch it back to the offense now, John. The run game has been a little rough, right? Um, I thought, I love Jamal Williams. I don't want to rip on him. I, I love the player on and off the field. Uh, he's one of my favorites. I, I do love Jamal Williams. And I'm actually excited to see what it looks like when, Alvin Kamara comes back in week four. Kendra Miller gets healthy. Like I'm, I'm excited to see how all this, those three backs work together. Cause I think they're going to be great, but I thought Williams exiting and Tony Jones entering the lineup there when Williams went out with the hamstring. I don't know if it was like a value add. I don't want to like hyperbolize this. I just thought Tony Jones gave you something. I thought he came in, he ran hard. He ran more physical. I, I just thought it was refreshing to kind of see him slamming into the line, pushing guys backwards. He had a couple good, tough touchdown runs there in the ball game. And then, Jones and Taysom Hill brought a physicality to the run game that I thought kind of fit that game against the Panthers. It was a physical defensive battle, right? It was a field goal fest for a while. Uh, I just thought that was kind of missing in the Tennessee game, just that physical run game. And I thought the Saints kind of got to it a little bit with Tony Jones and Taysom Hill. I was impressed with uh, Tony Jones. I don't know he's not lighting the world on fire or anything, but he came and gave you a little something. Uh, and that that kind of fired me up a little bit. I just wanted to ask you what you thought about that player. We know who, who Tony Jones Jr. is at this point in his career. You know, that this was his 20th career game. He, he's played almost exclusively with the Saints up to this point. Uh, he got called up from the practice squad here, and he really made the most of that opportunity. Like, like honestly, good for him to go out and in his 20th career game score not not just his first uh, NFL touchdown, his first two NFL touchdowns. And, and he, he joked after the game, you know, hey, it's my wife's birthday tomorrow. She gets a game ball. I get a game ball. Everybody's happy. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and, and th- 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 that's great, man. Like, th- these are really cool stories. Th- there are guys like him on every team in the league. Guys who are, on, who are kind of on the fringe of the roster. They're, they're on the bubble who, who might be on the practice squad one one week, might be, might be cut the next. You know, Alvin Kamara is coming back from suspension next week. And – that you know that that may push him off the roster. We're just gonna have to wait and see. But look, th- these are easy people to root for, and to see him get out there, do well, kind of liven up that that power run game, which you know has been non-existent to, to be honest through, through most of the first two weeks. Uh, that was very encouraging. And if nothing else, what, what excited me about that was the opportunities that opened up for Taysom Hill because he's someone that they do want to run. And Jamal Williams hasn't really shown much pop as a runner here through the first couple of games and if they can find somebody who can you know take that attention off hill as a runner open up some lanes for him i think that's going to pay off really well in the long run because he is you know as we've seen over the, over the last few years Taysom hill is their best <laughs> is one of their best uh threats as a runner and if they can get get him going then you know hey opposing teams have a really tough time stopping him 
Yeah, well, Taysom was definitely the best runner in this game. <laughs> he was the most dangerous one, at least. Yeah, he led, uh, led the team in rushing yards. He, he had did. 75 of them. Yeah, it was good to see. It's good to see. It seems like, you know, it's a kind of a game, you know, situational thing with him. They don't do it every game, but it, it definitely worked. And it was good. But, and you know, I think the running backs overall have kind of struggled this year. Jamal Williams, Tony Jones, whoever's been in there. It's not like in terms of like a yards per carry, John, right? It hasn't been pretty. But a lot of that has to probably do with the same reason why Derek Carr's been inconsistent. It's the the offensive line. Uh, I don't think the offensive line's been great in run blocking. I don't think it's been great in pass protection. I keep I keep seeing this uh, the highlight from Monday night there on a loop where Caesar Ruiz got blown up by a linebacker, just knocked five oh, yards back. You know that one keeps playing in my head. Uh, yeah. So the Panthers gave the Saints some issues. The Titans did as well. What would you say about the old line right now? A little shaky at best. I think so. And they, they are not meeting the expectations that have been set for them. There are too many early round NFL draft picks. There are, there's too much, you know, salary cap space uh, dedicated to these, too much time dedicated to these, these players, you know, everybody, all five of these starters ha- have been here for at least a full season before, you know, most of them, you know, this is a third or fourth year starting in that spot, if not more. And, all five guys got beat at some point on Monday night. You know, there there was a, uh, gosh, I believe it was that sack with Frankie Louvu running, you know, a 230-pound linebacker running through uh, Cesar, Cesar Ruiz's chest. That's the one. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On that same play, Ryan Ramchek got beat, and James Hurst got beat, and it, it, it was just awful for, for all five starters. And it's not one guy. It's not like you can say, oh, well, let's just bench Trevor Penning, and then all the problems are solved. Uh, because that's that's got nothing to do with the other end of the line where you're all pro right tackle and the right guard you just gave a four year contract <laughs> extension to um, are, are both getting beat like a drum. And all you can really do is wait it out and let these guys get used to playing next to each other. Let them get up to speed. You know, let your quarterback figure out, you know, hey, who, who, who's, who can I trust? Who, who is a little more vulnerable? Um, how, how can we, what how can we make adjustments here? Obviously, it's frustrating, especially for a team that has always had a very strong offensive line and has prided itself on being able to protect the QB. And it's, to see them take a step back like this, it's, it's disappointing. It's very concerning. One thing I will say is that the Titans and the Panthers have two of the better defensive lines you'll see around the league, uh, two of the better front sevens for sure. And whenever the Saints start to play teams that are a bit you know, closer to league average, I think they're going to settle in. I think they're going to start making some plays of their of their own. And I think things are going to get, get a bit closer to what has been expected of them. Now, how long will that take? Uh, <laughs> who knows? You know, uh, the Packers have a, have a pretty, they have a pretty good defense. Yeah, it doesn't, up. doesn't get better. It doesn't get much easier. Yeah. Well, and then week four, oh, it's, oh, it's, it's the, it's the Bucks with um, Vita Vea and Shaq Barrett and all, all these monsters up front. Um, so, so it may take a little while. But, you know, look, the Saints have navigated it, you know, well enough to win through these first two games. Hopefully they can keep it up. Hopefully they can work on it. But what I will say to, to the fans in, in, you know, my mentions on social media asking them, hey, when are they going to fire the, the coach? And when are they going to bench the left tackle? And when are they going to sign Leo Collins? <laughs> like, guys, that's not happening. You know, the, the, there are no big moves they can that they can or will make at this point. You know, it, it's, 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 it, we're, we're coming out of week two. It's not even really week three yet. You know, have, have some patience and, you know, just let this play itself out. You know, the Saints are being patient and I think fans need to need to practice some patience as well. Yeah, Lyle Collins, just careful what you wish for sometimes. Some of these players, you know what I mean? Hey, man, look, 
Love the guy. I don't wish him. I'm not saying this to be mean to him or anything, but if you're either too injured or too, you know, ineffective to start or even be rostered for the Bengals right now, probably you don't, there's not a spot for you in New Orleans. But so I <laughs> just, I, I think Saints fans see, see the, the, uh, the LSU logo on the helmet and they uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of get, they get a little blind there. <laughs> sure. The story is, as you said, on Saints Wire, John, you wrote, the Saints are 2-0, and and that buys you some time to fix some of these issues, right? It's a, it's a good thing to be 2-0. and They're not alone, though. The Saints, there's three teams in the NFC South that are 2-0 and right now. Uh, who's the realist? The Saints, the Bucks, or the Falcons? I'm going to ask John that question here coming up. But first, let's get some fantasy advice from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number three. Quarterback Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh Steelers at Las Vegas Raiders. This one is somewhat of a shaky recommendation, and Pickett's ceiling maybe isn't as high as some would like, but he has a little bit sturdier of a floor this week than usual. Las Vegas has given up 225 yards and two and a half passing touchdowns per game, and there's a clear need for the Steelers to open up this aerial attack. Even though Pickett will be without Deontay Johnson once again, he still has a dangerous weapon in George Pickens, two capable pass-catching running backs, and a quality tight end to rely on. Be pleased with something in the neighborhood of 250 yards and a pair of scores but he's probably best utilized in daily fantasy sports. Running back Javante Williams, Denver Broncos at Miami Dolphins. Somewhat surprisingly, Williams has dominated this backfield's carry count 25-9 over Samaje P. Ryan in the early going. The two have produced nearly identical fantasy results, however, and suffice it to say, the returns haven't been great. That should turn the corner this week against a Miami Dolphins defense that has given up running back touchdowns at the fourth highest rate, and only two teams have yielded more running back yards on the ground. This matchup is much easier to exploit rushing-wise, and we like Williams for a season-high performance as a fringe running back two or a strong flex. Wide receiver Kadarius Toney, Kansas City Chiefs versus Chicago Bears. No KC receiver has drawn more targets in each of the first two games than Tony, and he shook off the rust that led to his Week 1 disaster with a 100% catch rate on his five looks in Week 2. He's always a home run threat, and the former New York Giant offers potential for rushing points as a bonus. Chicago has given up wide receiver touchdowns at the fourth highest rate thus far in 2023, and Tony's an interesting gamble out of the flex position. Tight end Cade Otten, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Philadelphia Eagles. Eight touchdownless catches for 60 yards through two weeks doesn't really move the needle in fantasy, but Otten warrants a lineup spot due to this brilliant matchup for those of us who stream the tight end position. The Eagles have permitted the most PPR points, non-PPR points, and receptions to the position through two games. This is the number two matchup for yardage, and only a pair of defenses have surrendered touchdown scores at a higher rate. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back, and John, let's answer that question right now. Before, like, right before we hit the break, there, the Saints are two and zero. So are the Bucks and Falcons. So, how you feeling about the state of the division, and uh, what some of these other teams in the in the division are showing? We got the Green Bay Packers this week. The Falcons just beat them. Oh yeah, yeah. The Fal- Falcons are fake. Like they they, they still don't. They, you know, they, they don't have a QB. They they don't have a passing game to speak of. They're they're you know they're they're squeaking out some wins against you know teams that should have put them away when they had the chance and. No, I, I don't buy it one bit. We'll talk about the Falcons in, in November whenever the Saints play. I just because, want to give you a chance to rip them, John. That's all that question. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, they're they're fake. You know, I'm glad that I'm glad their fans are having a little bit of hope right now, so we so the Saints can snatch it away from them in a few months. And um, yeah, no, they're they're not on my radar whatsoever. Now, what is kind of interesting to me is the Bucks because you know. <laughs> What in the world is going on with with, with the Buccaneers? Because <laughs> because they were the team that you know we've all been saying, oh well, they're obviously tanking to you know try and get 
try and get Caleb Williams or Drake May or do something and and um, lose a bunch of games. They've got like seventy million dollars in in a dead dead money right now, counting against the cap. And there were very low expectations for them. And lo and behold, they're two and zero, and they're they're playing really well defensively. Uh, Mike Evans is playing as well as he ever ha- ever has right now. Um, Baker Mayfield is, you know, I, 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 what was the, uh, the stat I heard on, on red zone? It was, um, I believe Baker is two and has won back-to-back games for the first time in his NFL career. <laughs> no um, way. That can't be right. Is that right? I, I, I don't know. Uh, that, 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 if it isn't take it up with red zone and Scott Hansen, um, because that, that's, that's who said it. That's a great stat. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, it's incredible. Um, so hey, maybe the Bucks are going to hang around and uh, be, be a problem in the NFC South. Um, it, it, but you know, all summer long, everyone has said that this division is the most wide open, the most winnable, the uh, the most mediocre, top to bottom here. And lo and behold, you've got three uh, three teams all all sitting at two and zero, uh, all you know, slotting in for some pretty pretty important games here. Uh, the Saints are going to come out of this week three game with the Packers, and they're going to host the Bucks at home with, with Alvin Kamara. So that could give them a, a huge opportunity to separate there, you know, obviously assuming that both teams win on th- this week. And this is shaping up to be a much more competitive race than I think we anticipated it being. But, hey, if that makes it more entertaining and if that means that th- these are some watchable uh, games late in the season, then I- I'm all for it. Let- let- let's see where it goes. Yeah, I agree, and we'll and we'll talk more about the Bucks here uh, next week. I think, obviously, but you know, you, you when you just rattle off some of the guys on their roster, veterans, guys that were around for that Super Bowl run, right? They're just there's veteran guys all over that lineup, so they are they're not a pushover. The Bucks, no, they're that's definitely a tough tough team there. The Falcons, they are what they are. We'll, we'll get there, like you said, later on. But I get the sense, John, just from listening to you talk, reading your stuff on Saints Wire, that you're not you're not too impressed with the Packers so far. What, from what you've seen with their win over Chicago and then their narrow loss to the Falcons. They were up 24 to 12, I believe in the fourth quarter, if that's right, or at least in the second half. And they, and they blew that lead to the Falcons, uh, but they are two point favorites in Lambeau, uh, but you're not, you're not impressed with green Bay. I just get that sense. So why don't you explain yourself here? Yeah, man, I, I don't see much firepower offensively for them. I know that Romeo Dobbs is, you know, he's an impressive young, young receiver. Um, but gosh, beyond that, they don't really have anything like, you know, I, I know who Jordan Love is. Okay. I've, I've seen the Saints, you know, just dissect him in multiple preseason games before. Like we, 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 he, he, he's just a guy and I'm not too concerned about that. And then, then you go, you look under the hood a bit and you okay, Luke, Luke Musgrave ha- hasn't really made an impact for, for the Packers so far. Um, Romeo Dobbs, the guy just talked about who they're, they're such big fans of. He's caught six passes in two weeks. Like, they, they just don't have a lot to lean on. And then they're dealing with a ton of injuries. Uh, they've got the most overrated corner in the league in Jair Alexander leading the defense. And I, I just don't see a lot to be intimidated by this team. You know, d- defensively, yeah, they, they, they've got some dudes. They, they, they've got some talent up front. Uh, they, they can rush the passer. And that's going to be a challenge for the Saints' offensive line, which has not really play, met expectations here. Uh, through the first two games. So I, I don't necessarily see this as a get-right opportunity for the Saints, uh, but I can see this becoming a game where, you know, maybe the Packers don't necessarily match up well with New Orleans, uh, especially Packers offense against that Saints defense, um, especially if all-pro left tackle David Bakhtiari is still not playing. 
Yeah, the Packers do have a – it seems like their whole team has a hamstring injury, John. So there's a yeah. hamstring injury waiting to happen over there in Green Bay. Uh, but I do agree with you. Their defense is good. Uh, I heard you rip uh, Jair Alexander there, so that's there's that's something. There's, there's some meat on that bone. We'll have to get into that here at some point. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He's the Marshawn Lattimore, that's for certain. <laughs> yeah. I just remember – so you think he's overrated because I remember that game last year where he just completely erased Justin Jefferson and got all kinds of love and, and pub for that. But – you think he's uh you think he's overrated? He he's a good cover corner. He doesn't tackle. He doesn't really, you know, he doesn't get his hand on enough passes for for me. Um, for some, and I and I say that knowing he had like fourteen break, breakups last year or whatever it was. Um, but he doesn't seem to intercept a lot of passes. He doesn't seem to show up and run defense. Um. He's someone who I think that is going to be a really great matchup with Chris Olave, but in my opinion, that's a matchup Olave should win. Like, he, he should be able to run past this guy. And that's going to create opportunities in other parts of the field, too, where they're going to have to shade coverage his way. So, you know, look, maybe, maybe, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to, to I'm not trying to walk walk this back here. <laughs> uh, but I've, 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 never, I've, never, I've never been a big Alexander fan. Um I've always thought he's he's kind of overrated when you get when you get to talking about all about the best corners in the game. Or, you know, Lattimore, for example, is someone I think much more highly of, um, just for his ability to compete on every single target, uh, which is not something that that Alexander always does. So it's going to be a good game, and uh, we'll see how it works out. But I just do not like the matchup with uh, Jordan Love running against the Saints defense. Yeah, sometimes, John, you just drop these little subtle takes in the middle of your commentary, and I just got to pull them out and be like, hey, John, what'd you say about Jair Alexander? <laughs> that's, that's Let's all. dissect this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. that's all yeah. that was. Okay, so I appreciate you for clearing that up. John hates Jair Alexander, if you weren't paying attention. Uh, what are you expecting <laughs> for this game? This is another, uh, this feels like another like kind of physical, defensive kind of game, where, where it's going to be the two defenses pounding on each other, or I guess on the opposing offense, and the Saints have... They, they must be kind of comfortable with that style of game, John, right? Because it's kind of what we've seen the last two weeks. So are you expecting the same type of game? The over-under is 43.5. So the odds makers are, are predicting another low-scoring one. So is this another kind of defensive battle, low-scoring type of game, like kind of like we've seen the first two weeks with the Saints? Yeah, I could see that. You know, the I, I would feel much more better about it if this were in, like, December, where the Saints offense, you know, has... has Ironed out those wrinkles, and Derek Carr is, you know, not throwing dumb interceptions each week, and where the offense can block anybody. But I, yeah, I think that's I think that's an appropriate expectation here for you know another kind of low scoring game. I don't think either offense is going to create a ton of big plays against the opposing defense. I think both both pass rushes are going to have some success here. Um, one thing I will say: the Saints have one of the NFL's best records on the road since Dennis Allen took over as their DC. Uh, that travels well. They beat the Eagles in Philadelphia in January. They beat the Browns in Cleveland in, in you know, Antarctic con- conditions, as I recall. Uh, they're going up to Lambeau Field at the end of summer, and I, and I think they're going to do well. And I, I do like the Saints in this one, even if it's going to be you know probably another low scoring affair. Okay, yeah, and they're getting the two points, so I agree with you. I, I think the Packers. We're not really sure what this team's identity is. We saw them beat up on the Bears, but I think a lot of teams are going to do that. Uh, yep. we're, we're just not really sure what they've got yet. I think it's going to take them some time to figure it out themselves. They, they do have a lot of key injuries. Aaron Jones is another one. We're not sure, right? Bakhtiari, you mentioned. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's a good opportunity for the Saints. And you're getting two points if you're into the betting line, right? So it sounds like that's the side 
we're kind of firmly on John Saints plus two. Yeah, yeah, that sounds sounds good to me, man. <laughs> there it is. I can see it. Saints plus two, a chance to go to three and zero. Let's hope we could score some freaking points. That would help. Yeah, hey, hey, if, if, if the Saints can go three and zero without without Alvin Kamara in, in the building, uh, I, I think that that's highly encouraging. And I really want to see uh, what this offense looks like. This, uh, you know, in two, in two weeks, in a month from now, once AK has gotten up to speed with Derek Carr and and just see what those two can do together. Because all along, you know, they've kind of been selling him as like, hey, this is this is this is the quarterback who can get Alvin Kamara the football, who who can, you know, weaponize him and help him do things he hasn't done since Drew Brees was the QB. Good stuff is always right there from John Sigler. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. And as we said earlier, subscribe and tell a friend. We appreciate you. We'll catch you next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.